0: I love that video. It's got a good beat to it. I'm telling you, you guys ready to get into the Word a little bit today? Yes. Man, with everything God is doing, why not dive into His Word? I'm excited to continue this series. Uh, let me just say this: I'm real excited about the uh, fundraiser banquet for the PRC that's coming up. Listen. Um, If you don't know anything about the Pregnancy Resource Center, let me encourage you. Be at this event. I'm going to be there. Uh, Pastor Kelly's going to be there. It's going to be great. This is a ministry that we believe in. This is a ministry that our church supports in a big way. Um, Every year, they reach um, literally like thousands of of women um, and help them through a very uncertain time in their life. Uh, This center leads people to Jesus like clockwork. I love seeing what they do. And... What's real special to me is that every year when they produce the stats of what God has done through their efforts in the community, they always have big numbers on women that have chosen life for their child instead of abortion. And to me, that is so important. So it's a very special uh, ministry that we love partnering with, and uh, we'd love for you guys to plan to be there. Um, Sign-up sheet is in the the four-year area. Um, so make sure that you see Rachel or the PRC rep that's going to be out there. Um, I'm giving her a hard time because she's right here waving her hands. She whose name shall not be spoken. now nah, I'm picking on it. Uh, it's my mother, so I'm giving her a hard time. I normally don't pick on people like that here at the church, but um, it's a great ministry. Plus, you get Christian chicken. That's always good. Christian chicken from Chick fil A for free. Free Chick fil A. I'd show up just for the free Chick fil A. I'm going to lie. I would. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a little bit selfish like that. I'd show up for the free chicken and you can sell me on some stuff too while I'm eating the the free chicken. So I'm just, (laughs) I'm about to get shouted down. Um, The women are like, blasphemy. So, you picked a great day to be here, though, so that's a big one. Mother's Day, I'm glad that Pastor Rachel clarified that guys could be here, too. I was getting all sweating, and I'm like, I don't know if I can be here for Mother's Day, but she let us know guys can be here, and uh, anyone can be here for Mother's Day. It's a great celebration. Um, even if you don't have a child, you can still have the opportunity to be a spiritual mother to a next generation that is in desperate need of mentoring. I can tell you that. If you got your Bibles or your tablets, or your phone, whatever you're looking at today. Go ahead and get them out. I'm not going to tell you where to go just yet. We're about to go through a blitz, Craig, of Scripture and study here. Um, multiple questions came in along the topic of giving and tithing in the church. And I appreciate these questions. Uh, people were expressing concern because, like, you've got—and you, and this isn't a— An unfounded thing in any given household, Um, you might have a husband who believes in tithing and giving, and a wife who doesn't. It creates friction there, or vice versa. The woman believes in that, and the man um, doesn't. Um, You uh, people have a lot of questions on giving in general. We have questions come in. Uh, Why do why do churches take up offerings? I love that question. That's so raw. It's so raw. And I know we have a lot of people in our church who are real young in their faith. So I thought, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to to deal with this topic on giving. Uh, Should a Christian tithe? You know, that's uh, a topic of much debate in some circles. And so we're going to answer that question today from the Bible. So everything we talk about today is going to be from the Bible. That's why I've got so much scripture to give you today. I want to give you a bulletproof platform on what the Word of God says from Genesis to the maps. On giving. It's very important to God. How many of you would think that um, faith is a very important part of your walk with God? Yeah. There's about 500 verses in the Bible that deal with faith. How many of you would think that prayer is a real important part of your walk with God? Oh yeah. There's about 500 or so verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. Giving is an incredibly important aspect of your walk with God, so much so that he chose to put close to 1,500 references in the Word of God dealing with giving. What we do with our finances, the priority of it, and what he will do in return if we put him first. You know what I love about God is that he always rewards obedience, and we'll talk about that little bit today, too. Giving and tithing, okay, Um, tithing is a spiritual discipline, just like a lot of other things would be spiritual disciplines in your life, like prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's something that takes effort on your part, but it produces something spiritually. In fact, a, a spiritual discipline would be an intentional behavior with a supernatural benefit. So, I'm choosing to intentionally pray, but I know the benefit supernaturally is going to be God is going to renew me, refresh me, change me, empower me, equip me. All that stuff comes through me being in prayer, but I initiate prayer. And sometimes the Lord will lead you into the closet of prayer, but many times it's on us to initiate it. How many of you think reading the Word of God is pretty productive in in your relationship? Yeah, that is a spiritual discipline because it's an intentional act for you to open up the Word of God and read it and allow it to get into your spirit to renew you to renew your mind to change you from the inside out to speak to you that living and active Word of God to get in there and surgically do what God wants it to do we choose to give it that time and then it supernaturally does the work that God intended make sense okay so the supernatural benefit to spiritual discipline tithing falls into that category there is a supernatural benefit to us, intentionally giving a portion of what God has given back to, or given to us back to him. And we'll talk about that as we go. So we're going to start way back in Genesis and go way through the Bible, and I said literally all the way through the maps to to set this up, because a lot of people are in a lot of different places when it comes to giving and when it comes to tithing. Like right now, I said giving, tithing, and some of y'all could turn a piece of coal into a diamond with your backside right now because you're so tense. (laughs) about somebody saying something about giving in the church, and a lot of pastors are nervous because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of confusion. And let's be honest, there's been a lot of mishandling of funds that has caused people to doubt the integrity of a lot of religious organizations or a lot of churches. And listen, because some do it, it doesn't mean that all do it. Okay, and listen, if you saw how we handled money here at the church I appreciate when people say, hey, we trust you to be good stewards over what God has given us as a church. But I would love for you to come in and look at our process and look at our books and see how we run everything. Because you would have even more confidence in this. Because we desire to be great stewards over what God's given us as a church. Because that translates into how effective we are in reaching our community for Jesus. We make sure we're doing the best we can with that, Um, but there's a a lot of different schools of thoughts, and apprehension, and all that, and I just want everybody to take a deep breath, in case you're, if you're a little tense this morning, just go, okay, hey, it's just money, it's just talking about what God wants us to do with our money, if I was talking about sexual sins, you know who would be uncomfortable in here, all the hoes and gigalos, that's who'd be uncomfortable in here. Um, it would be the person who's dealing with the issue, okay? Um, you got to watch out. Your pastor's had a little bit of rest this week, so there's no telling what's going to fly out of my mouth today. Um, so if I were to talk about, you know, um, d- just dealing with anger issues in your life, happy-go-lucky, joy-joy-joy person is not going to have an issue with that problem. The person who's going to feel convicted is going to be anger person, you know? And when we talk about money, it's been my experience in this that, the people who are in good standing with God and participating in this and don't have and they've seen the benefit of it, they have no problem with this stuff at all. The people that have problems with money being talked about in church are usually the people that have not submitted that area of their life to the Lord yet. And if that's you, I'd encourage you, hey, you know what? Maybe take a step today or give thought to taking a step today to testing God in that area of your life. But people usually land in, in a few different categories. And the first one Is this that I found as a pastor over the years of ministry when you talk about tithing? You've got the first group, and that's the group that would say, I totally agree with it. It's awesome. It is awesome. I have tested God and I've seen him keep his word. I had never, as a pastor, seen somebody say, Well, you know, I've been tying this tithing stuff for the last 10 years and I just don't think that it works. Anybody that gives it enough time to work is always talking about the blessing of God and the benefits of it and how God keeps his word on the backside. Is there anybody in here today or watching online that can say, you've tested God in this, and you can say, he is good, it is awesome, and you totally agree with what the Bible says about giving. Anybody in here this morning? Get some amens in here. All right. I'm telling you, um, it's an incredibly beneficial thing. I love how God set it up to benefit us in life and our pursuit of becoming more like him the second group that you run into is a group that says i don't know about any of this i've never been taught you know what for a long time that was me because you know as a kid growing up in and out of church sometimes uh you, you heard it talked about some but i didn't really understand all of it i just knew that it was something you were supposed to do in church and i never understood the why well today Hopefully, I can explain the why to you so we can put all of these things together. It's not just part of a service that we do to pay some bills. I assure you there are other things we could do creatively to pay the bills. It's a system that God established for his church to keep us in check and to open up a door of blessing in our lives. Um, I don't know about any of this. I've never been taught. We're going to take our first uh, bite of Scripture today. Listen, this isn't. The only one, we're going to be going through a lot today, but our first stop in Scripture land is going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 14. We're going to start reading at verse 22. You guys that are taking notes, these are good notes to take because if you're a Christian who believes in this, but you felt like you, you, like your ability to explain why we do what we do regarding this has been a little inadequate, I'm going to equip you plus some today to be able to explain why we do what we do and what the Bible says about it. So um, not only are we are going to be teaching, we're going to be equipping today too. But Deuteronomy, this is one of the more clearer verses of Scripture that deals with tithing. God's speaking, and he says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. So he says, set aside a tithe of your crop. So a tithe is a what? It's a tenth. Tithe is a tenth. So a lot of people, you know, they give... Um, like, sporadically out of their income. And look, there's nothing wrong with giving, giving, giving. What I want to encourage you today is take the step, you know, to be grips really correct in what you do so you can open up a level of blessing on your life. Not like crazy, hokey, televangelist blessing where they say, if you do this, God will bless you back a thousand times. You know, that's ridiculous. That's hokey. That's a bunch of blah. that There's so much baloney in that. We can make bologna sandwiches for the entire southeast and probably have some left over. You know, it's just not what the Word of God says. Um, and really, it's tapping into a selfish motive in somebody to get more for doing something. You know, God's not the stock market. If you invest at the right time, it doesn't mean that you get a better return than later. Under the blessing of God is under the blessing of God. And he gets to decide and define how that looks in our lives. But just set aside a tenth of your crops Your harvest each year. So for this culture, for this group of people, their crops or their livestock would have been their income. What he's saying here is set aside a tenth, a tithe, or 10% of your increase every year to bring to the Lord. And a lot of people have asked me, why why a tenth? Why not 15%? Why not 20%? Why didn't God ask for 5% or 1%? Like, what's so special about 10%? Have you ever thought about that? You know, why 10? What's the deal? Well, in the Bible, a 10th, especially in the Old Testament, a 10th was used as a representative of the whole. So, like, there were times in Scripture where God judged the people of Israel for doing something goofy like they would always do. And instead of punishing the whole nation... He punished one-tenth of them as a representative of the whole nation. So when God's talking about bringing a tenth, He's using language that these people would understand, saying, I want you to bring in a symbolic portion of everything that you have, of all of your increase. So you bring in a 100%. I just want you to bring in a symbolic 10% to me. And symbolically, what you're saying when you tithe is God... I know you gave me the hundred, but symbolically, you're not asking for the hundred. Symbolically, you're asking me to give you the ten saying that all that I have is yours. I think that's really powerful. That's why God is asking for that. It's a symbolic thing. And he says, I don't want you to just set aside a tenth of your crops or your increase to bring to me. He says, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place your Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored now, that's why we take up offerings in church, because not just here, but in other places in Scripture, it says the offering or the tithe is to be brought into the church or the storehouse that God has set up. So, old school, it would have been the temple that Solomon built uh, for God, or it would have been Herod's temple in Jesus' day in, in, around Jerusalem. Uh, today, that's your local church. So, you bring the tithe or the 10% as a symbolic representation of all that you have, and you say, God. You bless me with all of this. I'm giving it back to you symbolically as an act of worship to you. And that's what he set up for us to do. And then he says, and eat it there in his presence. Old school, what they used to do was this. You bring in your crops. You bring in your livestock or all that stuff. And it would be offered up at the altar by the priest. And sacrificed there and burned up with fire. And so what they would do is set aside a smaller portion of all the offerings to feed the people that had brought it there. And so what you would do is after you've given your offering, after all of it was done, you would sit down in groups of families, and the families would be fed from the offerings that they brought to the Lord. Now listen to this. Their giving fed them. Their giving nourished them. See, when we give to God, it opens up the opportunity for him to feed and nourish us on a different If you bring in a tithe to, to Eastgate Church, listen, you are bringing in something to help fund and supply the ministry that is feeding you spiritually. And you are allowing us then to take a huge portion of that and go and reach our community like the Great Commission calls us to do. Now, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of the church services, or I don't feel like I'm getting fed a lot at church. Maybe the reason why you're not getting fed from the church is because you're not bringing anything into the church. So God set this system up. This applies to your ties of grain, new wine, all of, all of it. He just covers it all, everything that is an increase in your life. You bring just this is why we tithe because God says so. this is why we do it in the local church. OK, not because we're charging people to hear the gospel. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of in my life. Well, you go to the church and you got to give them a tip so they can tell you about the good Lord. No, that's not it. Listen, a lot of you guys um, have been eating for free here for a while because other people have been paying your bill. So don't throw that stuff at me either, you know. So, so listen, um, listen, and praise God for that, though, for people that have a heart to come before you and to help provide a place for you to receive the life-changing truth of the Word of God. I think we all come to that point in our life. so when it's time for us to stop receiving and to start participating in what God's called us to do as a larger body so that, so that we can see other people come in and receive the benefit of what we've received the benefit of for so long in our lives. You know, it's just a progression of your maturity in your relationship with Jesus. Um, so if you're, you know, in that school where he's like, I, I don't even know about this. Well, now you know a little bit about this. If you got any more, que- like, further questions about this, why we do it and, and all of that stuff, hit me up. We'll get some coffee or we'll meet up here and we'll, we'll talk about some stuff. I want to make sure that you understand that. Uh, third group of people that I run into, they understand the principles of tithing and why we give and what the Bible says. But there's like this this last little step that they're unable to take. And I get it. That's where I was for a little while. And they're in the, the group that says, I, I just don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. I get it. I know why we do it. But I don't think I can do that. I see my budget. I see how much money I don't have left over at the end of the month. I see how much I have going out and how little I have coming in. And I get that you guys are talking about faith and trusting God and stepping out, and that sounds awesome on Sunday. I'm the one worried about whether or not I'm going to have electricity on Friday. I get that. Um, I think all of us have to come to the point where we just got to make the decision whether or not we trust God to keep his word or whether we're going to try to keep making things happen on our own. And I would encourage you today to take that step and step out of that group that says, yeah, I just don't think that I can do that. Let me, let me remind you, what we're talking about is a spiritual discipline that has a supernatural benefit in your life. That means there's something miraculous that takes place there that cannot be explained. Okay, it's something miraculous that takes place that cannot be explained. So the supernatural aspect of tithing is that it never results in less. It always produces more every time. How? I don't know. How did Jesus keep pulling fish out of the basket when he fed 5,000 people? I don't know. How did the loaves of bread keep popping out of the basket? I don't know. There was a supernatural aspect to it, and that's how God chooses to operate. How did Jesus raise people from the dead? I don't know, but he sure did it. How did he get blind people to open up their eyes and see? I don't know, but there's a miraculous aspect about it because we serve a miracle-working God who operates in the miraculous and there are just going to be ways that he operates that does not make sense to us because he operates in a realm that we can't comprehend in our bodies. It's a spiritual thing. So there's a spiritual aspect of tithing. It doesn't make sense that 90% should go further than 100%, but with God's math and with God's economy, it does because you're operating under the blessing of God and not your own efforts to make things happen. So I would encourage you today, if that's you, and I found a lot of people are there, you know, and a lot of people tithe for a, a short season and they don't give enough time for the harvest to come in and they pull back because of fear or doubt or worry or, or all of that stuff. And I think it's neat that, that Jesus addressed that specifically in Matthew chapter six, he gives us this encouragement to address the fear that he knew we were gonna face in life matthew six thirty-one, he says so don't worry about these things And he's talking specifically about finances here and resources that will take care of us and meet our need and provide for us he says don't worry about these things what we will eat what we will drink or what we will wear don't worry about that stuff these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs I love how Jesus is breaking this. Now, listen, don't don't feel pressurized and don't freak out over how you're going to provide for yourself. Don't worry about the things that the world is worrying about. I want you to change the way you think and trust me. Because he says, look, your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. He's like, listen, guys, he knows, he knows. He knows the bill needs to be paid. He knows your car needs to be repaired. He knows there's a repair on the house that needs to take place. He knows you're going to have to figure out a way to pay your kids school tuition. He knows you've got to buy groceries because you're tired of eating spam. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. It doesn't catch him by surprise. Then Jesus says, listen, take heart in the fact that he already knows you need this stuff. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and listen to this promise, and he will give you everything you need. Put me first. Put me to the test. Put your priority and focus on doing what I've called you to do and not chasing after all this garbage the world goes after. I know you need that stuff. Don't you think I'll equip you to do what I've called you to do and make sure that you're not starving under some tree trying to do what I've called you to do? He says, I've got you. I've got you on this. If anybody's got me on anything, I want to make sure that God's got my back on something. Because I know he's not going to let me down and he's not going to fail me. So if you're in the camp that says, hey, look, I, I get it. I know it. But there's just, I'm, I'm having trouble. I, I would encourage you to take that step and to trust God and to see that he always keeps his word. I'm not going to promise you, you're not going to have to deal with a little bit of fear the first week or two, because you're talking about sowing and reaping a harvest. But I've never seen not one person who fully trusted God end up on the short end of the stick, ever, ever, ever. If that were the case, then God would be a liar. This is not about what Pastor Josh thinks, and it's not about what Dave Ramsey thinks, or it's not about what somebody else in the church thinks, or some other pastor might be thinking or preaching or opinion. It's not opinion. This is word of God. Um, and this is where some of the division and thought comes into play because you get into scripture and some people camp out under the umbrella of, well, the legality of tithing and the requirement of tithing and all of that stuff, that was an Old Testament thing. And it's not something that carries over into the New Testament. It's not something that I I have to practice or I have to adhere to, you know, my money's my money, and I can give what I choose to give, and it's under grace. And it doesn't matter anymore whether I give the 10 or not. And I guess my first question would be, why would you want to give less to a God that says he'll bless you more in proportion to how you give? To me, that's what? The more I give, the more you bless, and you say it in your word so I know it's the truth. Because if it's not the truth, and you're full of junk, God, and you're a liar, and I can't trust you, man, I'm going to trust God all day long. So there are, you know, there people and there are teachings out there that say that you don't have to give because we're under grace. Now, if you're new to church, that probably confused the junk out of you. Um, don't worry. Come ask me some questions, and I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. New Testament and Old Testament, um, people responded and had access to God in two different ways. Under Jesus, we have direct access to God through our relationship with him. Old Testament, people didn't have that. Um, So we have the Holy Spirit to convict us and lead us and guide us and his word to show us and grace to teach us. Old Testament, they had the law. So what I want to do is this. I want to address this for the rest of the time that we have here just to erase any doubt you might have in your mind on what the Bible says. Listen, at the end of the day, you can decide for yourself. I'm not a salesman. I'm not getting any commission over any giving increase or bump that the church might get over the next couple of weeks because of what's happening here. Some people think that junk, you know. That's not what's happening. I'm a pastor who's answering questions that have come in because I want to equip you to operate in the blessing of God. Okay, so I don't have to, or I'm under grace. Um, It's important for us to understand this, that tithing existed before the law of Moses, during the law of Moses. And after Jesus died. Okay. It existed before the law of Moses, during the law of Moses, and it carried on after Jesus' death under the new covenant of grace. And I'm going to show you in scripture what I'm talking about here. This is some good stuff to, na- to take some notes on, or if you got some questions, good stuff to go back on and review for yourself so you can make your own decision in your own relationship with God on what the Bible says, but I'm telling you, it's pretty clear and you'll see that. Once we, uh, once we go through this. So, tithing, um, tithing was a practiced act of worship before the law. Before the Ten Commandments. Before the law of Moses. It was, pr- it was a practiced act of worship. People did it before God commanded them to do it in the law. And I'll show you this. In Genesis chapter 4, um, starting at verse 3. It says, right after Adam and Eve got booted out of the Garden of Eden. It says, when it was time... For the harvest when it was time for the increase when it was time for the paycheck okay when it was time for the new stuff to come in that God was providing when it was time for the harvest Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord everybody say some so he gave some of his crops as a gift to the Lord Abel also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Crazy. Abel brought the best. Cain brought some. Cain brought a tip. Abel brought a tithe to the Lord. And God ejected what Cain brought, and he accepted what... Abel had brought this process of giving, this concept of giving that first portion to the Lord. You see it happening in the first generation removed from Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. Um, got a question for you, okay? Now, just not too long after this, we know what happens. You guys that know a little bit about the Bible. Cain gets crazy. He goes and hunts down Abel, tricks him into meeting him in a field, takes a rock, and kills him. Overgiving. Crazy. People lose their minds over money, don't they? The first murder committed was committed over this stuff. Um, He kills him. God judges Cain because he murdered Abel. God rebuked Cain because... His offering wasn't acceptable, and Abel's was. Let me ask you a question. If this is happening before the law of Moses, and there's no law to tell these guys what's right and wrong, how did they know to give and what to give? How did they know that murder was right or wrong? Why was God holding them to a standard that he had not explained to them? You ever think about that? It's because the morality, the morality of the law existed before the law. It existed during the law, but it was explained in greater detail through the law as a safeguard by God for us so that we didn't go off into territory to hurt ourselves. After the law of Moses was done away with and we're under the new covenant of grace, that morality still exists. It still exists. They knew it was morally right to give back to God what he had given to them. Just like they knew it was morally wrong to take another person's life. God's not going to hold you accountable to something that you don't know is right or wrong. Make sense? So that's what's happening here. Just questions to think about. We'll get into that a little bit later in the message here today. Uh, Another example from of uh, people giving before the law and this is the classic one uh, Genesis 14 starting at verse 19 this is Melchizedek who was the high priest Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing blessed be Abraham uh, by God most high creator of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you so Abraham went out had this battle defeated this people took in all the spoils of the victory, had that increase in his life, and the first thing he did was he brought a portion back to the priest. And Abram gave um, Melchizedek a tenth, there it is again, everybody say tenth, tenth, of all the goods he had recovered. So you see the tithe, in effect, before the law of Moses was ever written, because it was just the morally right way to give and worship God. It was already established as a pattern in the lives of those who trusted in the Lord. Um, tithing then becomes reinforced and explained by the Old Testament law. You guys still with me? All right. Um, It's reinforced and explained by the Old Testament law. It took what was morally acceptable before, and it defined it. It defined it and gave parameters to it, and God broke down the details of how he wanted things to happen and when he wanted things to happen. And he gave us the law, uh, the Bible says to safeguard and protect us, like we just said a little bit ago, like a guardrail will keep you on the road and keep you from going out into danger. That's why he gave the law to help give boundaries and parameters, also to show we can't do jack on our own, and we need Jesus to save us. Um, but... Probably the most popular scripture in the Old Testament given from the Old Testament law on giving is in Malachi chapter 3. Anybody that teaches on tithing or giving is going to touch base on this sooner or later. So there are a ton of scriptures we can look at, but I don't know about you. I don't have all day and all evening to go over this, and we could. So instead of reading all of that, I encourage you, um, do a quick Google search, and you can find a lot of that stuff on your own study time if you want to. But uh, Malachi 3 is the one we're going to look at from Old Testament law, here's God speaking to that. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Listen to what he says here. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That sounds pretty good to me. He says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vine in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. He says straight up, test me in this. Give, test me, and see if I will not blow you away with how I provide and how I bless you and what I'm able to do to resource you in accomplishing what I've called you to do. Test me in it. Test me in it. Whew, okay. It's like one of the very few times in Scripture God says, bring it, bring it, test me, test me. You can't outgive me, test me, bring all you got. I'll one up you every time, I'll ten up you every time, test me in this, test me in this. He said, see how big my muscles are, test me in it, bring it on. I'll make you an example to glorify my name because of the goodness that I pour out on you. Test me in this, is what he says. And then there's another promise in here. Like we focus on the blessing of God, and that gets preached to death, you know. And here's where evangelists go too far with it. And You, you know, you tell evangelists and all that, you know, I just, if you will give that seed offering today, I'm going to pray that thousandfold blessing over it. And I'm going to believe that God's going to produce that huh? because God said test it. No, you're trying to get me to give you money illegitimately because you're manipulating me through Scripture. That's not what the Bible says. You know? so it, these people need to be held accountable for that junk that they're preaching too. I'll be honest with you, because they're leading a lot of people astray. Um, I had fun with some of these people. I uh, used to be a dude a long time ago that um, had this show that would come on Christian TV, and he would talk about the miracle water that he had on his property. Do you guys ever see this stuff? It may still be on there because they run stuff from 40 years ago, so who knows? Um, so they running this thing. I went to a spot on my property where God told me to go, and I dug a well where he told me to dig it, and up forth came a fountain of life-giving miracle water, and the Lord told me to bottle it. <laughs> really, to bottle it and send it out to people so that you could experience the healing that comes from this. Really? That sounds awesome. What's it cost me? Shipping and handling? No, for a very special gift of fill in the blank. I'll send you some miracle water. Gimmick. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to send this guy uh, an offering, but I'm going to just write to the address and see what happens. So I wrote in this thing. I don't even know what I put in because it was back when... you weren't responding by email. You were just sending letters to these people. And so, dude, the dude, the dude sends back a, a cutout of his hand on some cloth and tells me in the letter to take that hand and put it on my, on my wallet. And he had already prayed a special prayer of blessing. And I needed to put it on my wallet and it would transfer. To well, my financial stuff, I guess, and I would have the blessing of God, which would free me to be able to give to him, so that I could get some miracle water. Yeah, this is a, this is the crazy stuff that confuses people. So, so um, I said, okay, I'm going to have some fun with this. So I didn't send, him. I, I put the hand. No, I kept the hand. I still got the hand. Um, so I sent the thing, the letter thing, back to him, and. Homeboy, a couple of weeks later, I got something back in the mail, and it was a penny. He sent me a penny, and he said, this penny is to sow into you financially to build your faith so that you can see God take this penny and bless it into whatever amount of money, and then you can send it to me and get miracle water from me. So I kept the penny. I got money from the money-hungry televangelist. How about that? I got a penny from him, So I kept that thing, and... uh I've got it probably in a drawer somewhere. It's just crazy, though. Um, there's a lot of abuse out there, and this is not what God is saying. He's saying, listen, test me. Put me first. Put me to the test. I will keep my word, and I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Here he says it again, but you got to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Another cool blessing is that he says he would prevent pests from devouring the crops, and the vine's fruit wouldn't. Fall to the ground. He says, not only will I bless you, but I will protect you. You know, many times the blessing of God comes in the stuff that doesn't break that we own. The stuff that we don't have to pay for to be repaired. You know, the times that we don't get as sick as we could have, and I'm not saying that anybody that's sick is being judged by God or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying, but, but God does say, I will put a preventative measure ahead of you to protect you, to protect you. Whew! I, I not only want to walk in the blessing of God, but I want to walk in the protection of God as, a, as, as it pertains to the financial aspects of my life. This is specifically what he's talking about here. I'll take care of you, and I'll protect you also. So it protects us both ways. Uh, it's important as we jump from like an Old Testament glimpse at the law, and we could have stayed there all day. We'll move into the New Testament. Um, we're going to look at the life of Jesus, what Jesus said about giving, and then we're going to look at the early church and how the early church participated in giving. I want to ask you a question before we get to this, though. Does, does, um, does grace raise the bar on us Or lower the bar on us spiritually it raises raises, yeah it raises the bar on us spiritually because we are empowered and equipped at another level through the freedom that Jesus gives us and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to operate on a whole new other a whole nother level so Jesus raises the bar on that one he says hey uh, I don't want you to just not commit adultery you've heard it said you don't commit adultery but I'm going to tell you this if you look at a woman lustfully You've already committed adultery in your heart. He raised the bar on it. He says, I don't want you to just not commit murder. You know, the law says don't kill other people. That's a good thing. Everybody say, don't kill other people. That's a good motto to live by, especially if you get stuck in Atlanta traffic. I'm going to help you. That'll come back to you. Okay, Pastor Josh say, that's right, God said don't kill people. Okay, I can make it home today. But he raised the bar on that, though, and said, hey, it's not just about not killing people. I want you to love one another. I want you to serve one another like I have loved and served you. He raised the bar. So grace raises the bar on what the law established. And Jesus, I think it's very important to look at Jesus because he's the bar that's set for all of us. Jesus approved of tithing. He approved of tithing. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple that's where people were bringing their offering or their tithe and he watches the crowds drop their money how freaky would that be <laughs> to walk into church and there is the Almighty Son of God watching who's giving and how much they're giving and so that would make me nervous even if I had the right amount you know what I mean like you know what I, I was giving this but hey Jesus you know here's, here's an extra 10 $10, $15, I just above and beyond the tithe. It's, I love you, man. You're It's awesome. would change stuff. So Jesus is watching this happen, and many rich people put in large amounts, and the poor widow came and, and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him. He said, I tell you the truth. This poor woman has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave out of a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything She had to live on. Jesus didn't denounce the people that were giving to the temple system, even though he was usually going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees that ran that organization quite a bit because he knew it was a principle that his father had set up. You give out of what has been given to you. And Jesus uses this as a teaching moment for his disciples. He didn't call them over and say, hey, guys, you see what they're doing? I'm about to do away with all of that. We're about to shut it down. This is the same Jesus that walked into the money changers who were making a profit in the temple, selling people stuff at a marked-up price for them to walk in and, and like, give as an offering in the temple. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Y'all aren't going to do this in my house. My house is going to be a house of prayer. Jesus went buckwild, started flipping tables and beating people with whips. Okay? That can you imagine that? Okay, so Jesus had the capability of going buckwild. He could have gone buckwild and beat people out of the temple and said, No, no, no. That's Old Testament stuff I'm about to do away with. You're free from that, just like I've walked around and told you you're free from the most of most of the other. Laws that you guys are bound to. Jesus came to reestablish that morality back into it. He didn't denounce it; he showed approval of it. I know, I know that that might be a little weak, Pastor Josh. You have to give me a little bit more than that. Well, Jesus let people give to His ministry. Luke chapter eight, at verse one, Jesus um, is is traveling around. I love the way this is worded. It says, "Soon after Jesus began a tour." of the nearby town, the Jesus Tour, coming to you soon. Now, he was touring around, um, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, who whom he had cast out seven demons. That's just something I don't know I want traveling around with me, you know. How are you doing? All right, I'm good. This is Jesus. Yeah, this is John. Yeah, and that's Mary. Jesus cast seven demons out of her. We think she's okay, but she's, uh, just give her a chance. Um, that'd be a little bit weird. You ever read the Bible and think about it that way? So um, he cast seven demons out of Mary. Joanna, the wife of, she was a Herod's businessman. He had Herod's business manager traveling around with him. That's high up stuff right there. Susanna, nobody knows about her, but she was there. And many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. If Jesus wasn't down with giving, why didn't he deter people from giving directly to his ministry? Because Jesus knew that when you give to something, you have a part in the thing that you're giving to. You know, when you give here, you're not just giving just to God. You have a part to play in what happens in the ministry here at this church. Last year we saw 136 people give their lives to Jesus. Everyone that gave to support the ministries of the church has a part in that. Every child that gives their heart to Jesus Christ in E-Kids, we have a part to play in that. Every family that's restored, every heart that's healed, every great miracle of healing we see happen in this church and through the community ministries of this church, every life that is saved... Through outreaches like the PRC that we partner with and support, we have a share in that when we give. Or when we give to Jesus. I have a part to play in that. Here's another big one, and this one for me, if it was just this, it would be enough. Is that Jesus said you should tithe. He said you should. Uh, I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He's ripping the Pharisees a new one like he did most often here to start it out. And he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your, your, your herb gardens. I love that. Um, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He kind of says, you guys are doing this stuff, but you're missing the big picture here. Yes, you should tithe. Let's just go home right now. Jesus says, yeah, you should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. Yeah, you should tithe, but that's like the starting point. That's not the whole ball game. You guys are majoring on the minor stuff. These are baby steps in your walk of faith. I want you to see the big picture of where I'm trying to take you. That's what Jesus is saying. and I think it's really important to know that Jesus agreed with the giving Because everything that just Jesus didn't agree with, especially when it came to what the Pharisees were doing, he pretty much let them know, didn't he? But here he says, "Hey, you guys should tithe," because he knew, he knew how important giving was and how it pertains to us growing in our faith and trusting God. So, here's a big one you got to look at: How did the early church under grace give? Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, he's raised from the dead, he ascends to heaven, the new church is unleashed on this world, wildfire, people are getting saved, miracles are happening, the apostles are preaching, we're seeing all this awesome stuff, and wouldn't you think that they were all shouting and excited because giving was done with, just the religious law of the tithe was done, it was dead, because they're under grace now and they don't have to give Anything, but if you look at the behavior of the New Testament church, it's the complete opposite of that. It says all the believers were united in heart and mind in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 32. They were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, and they shared everything they had. They just entered into this level of generosity that was unheard of. You know why? Because they were loving their brother as themselves, because they were serving each other like Christ served them. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's blessing was upon them all. God's blessing was upon them all. Maybe God's blessing was upon them all because they all gave generously out of everything that they had. So, there were no needy people among them, because those who own land or houses would sell them you know i don't see selling my home as part of my tithe i probably would have had a pretty big month if the house that i live in is equal to the amount of increase that came into they weren't just giving the tithe they were giving extravagantly above and beyond that they were using the tithe as the starting point and this unheard of level of generosity was exploding out of them they would sell the houses and they would bring the money to the Apostles to give to those in need for instance there was Joseph the one the Apostles nicknamed Barnabas son of encouragement he was from the tribe of Levi and he came from an island of Cyprus I don't know why they give all that detail for him but they do but here's what's important he sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the Apostles this unheard of level of generosity was erupting from this body of believers because does grace raise the bar on us spiritually or lower the bar on us spiritually? It raises the bar. It raises the bar even in giving. I don't want just I don't want to be just somebody that gives an amount. I want to be a giver. I want to be I want to look for opportunities to bless others and give to the kingdom of God above and beyond, but was in the Old Testament law. And this is a good takeaway for us today. Okay, it existed before the law of Moses, during the law of Moses, after the law of Moses, under grace. You see it in how the, the New Testament church operated. This is just one example. There's a lot. You, if you can read through the New Testament and not pick up on this theme of abundant generosity and just over-the-top giving, then I challenge you to go back and read it again because you're not reading the same Bible that I am. It's all through. It's all through the New Testament. Um, Like I said, we don't have till 7 o'clock to be here tonight, so we picked out a good one. Why give? Here's a big overview. It protects us from ourselves. Bible says where your treasure is, your what will be there? Your heart will be there also. So give back to me so that your heart can be in a safe place. It protects us from ourselves. It worships God. When we give, it's just another act of worship. It unlocks blessing, and most importantly, it helps reach the world for Jesus. Everybody looks at how aggressive and how effective the early church was in reaching people for Jesus. I think a major reason for that was the generosity of the church to fund the ministry to further the impact that they had with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Cricket. Cricket. Cricket, 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 cricket. I'm telling you from what I read. Yeah, Holy Spirit, big thing. I get that. Holy Spirit was doing powerful stuff in their lives. I get that. You can't go somewhere though if you don't have provision to go. I think they I think they traveled like wildfire because they had every resource that they needed to reach as many people as they could. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine if the church, I'm talking about Eastgate, I'm talking capital C, church, if, just the ch- if the church could just get that, how much more effective could we be in reaching people for Jesus? How much more effective could our children's ministry be if we had another $100,000 a year to give them in their budget? another 100000 They have $100,000 a year in their budget. I wish they had $100,000 a year in their budget. That's not what I'm saying. But you get what I'm saying, though? How much community outreach could we do? Much. How much more? Like, we're doing a lot. We, last year, we had the most effective year of ministry we've had in this church in the last 10 years. I praise God for that. But can you imagine... If we operated with all of us contributing and all of us putting us in a place of financial power to be able to reach our community, it goes so much further than, man, I don't know if I can just, I just trust the Lord. It, it, God takes what you trust him with and not only blesses you back, but he takes that and uses it to transform the lives of other people. It doesn't just benefit you. That's a selfish way of looking at giving. It benefits not just you, but it benefits every person that is represented by the empty seats in this church today. As we give and get behind the vision that God has given us and we operate in a position of financial power as a church, not only are you blessed more, but we're able to reach more people for Jesus. I think God is a flipping genius for how he set this up. I really do, really do. So I hope if you had questions about giving this help to answer some of them, I know there were a lot that came in Why we do it. And if you have issues or tension in relationships because of it, I hope this goes to some measure to resolve that and bring peace in. And I'll see what the Bible says about it and how we're instructed from Scripture to do it. If you're on the fence and trust is the thing, there's a little bit of fear there that's keeping you from taking that step. I hope this has helped to encourage you to take that step and put God to the test like he asked you to do and to trust God. Listen, we trust God for so much in our lives. We trust God to to heal us, to restore us. We trust God to be the way maker in our lives. We trust God to hear and answer our prayers. We we trust God. We, we serve a God that sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and not just die for our sins, but to set us free from that sin so that we could be alive and renewed in a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's done all of that for us, why in the world would a God who's done all of that, who says in other passages of Scripture that, that He has done everything to give us everything to make sure that we're equipped for all things in life and godliness and our pursuit of Him, why would a God that does all of that, that has already paid that high of a price, leave us high and dry when it comes to giving? He won't. He won't. So that's why we do it. That's what the Bible says about it. So the $20 question is what we do with it going forward. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you're a person who maybe you're watching online, you don't even go to this church. I'm not asking you to give to this church. Give to the church that you go to, you know. If you consider us a home church, start giving to us. If you're in here, listen, if you don't trust me, you don't trust what we do with the finances here. If you got a bad taste in your mouth because of a bad experience at another church, Come on up here and I'll show you the books and I'll walk you through our process. We're an open book here at this church. We've got nothing to hide because we operate with complete integrity. And I'll be honest with you. More times than not, your staff sacrifices so that more money can go to ministry, so we can reach more people in this church. That's our focus, and that's our priority. But if that's the thing, come talk to me. Hey, we'll we'll walk through that. But if you don't trust me and you don't want to give here, listen, I want to encourage you, begin giving somewhere so that you can participate in this beautiful thing that god has set up so that your life can not only be blessed but so that you can be protected you have to live under the pressure of wondering how you're going to make things happen in the area of finances you're able to shift that over and say god i trust you i'm going to do my part you said you're responsible for the rest of this there's great freedom in that guys great freedom in that guys